0: Hey, it's Todd, uh, coming to you from the Sports Review and Spiritual Library in my apartment, in Verona, Wisconsin. And, doing this podcast, and is going to be about, uh, coming from the book, Great Hitters of the Major Leagues, by Frank Graham Jr. This is for 19, 1967, I do believe. And, uh, I'll just read a little bit here, too. Advice to hitters. Many years ago, a ball party and Wee Willie Keeler was explaining his success as a hitter. His advice was short and to the point. Hit him where they ain't, he said. This is still the best advice anybody, anyone can give a young hitter to hit the ball where there aren't any fielders. Great hitters of the major leagues is about 11 ballplayers who were or are very good at hitting the baseball where the fielders ain't. Some, like Ty Cobb, knew how to poke the ball to all fields just out of the reach of the fielders on the other team. Others, like Rogers Hornsby and Sam Musial, could slam line drives past the fielders before they had a chance to reach for them. And still, others like Babe Ruth and Mickey Mantle. Swung with such great power that they hit the ball completely over the fielders' heads and into a distance into the distance stands. That is one place where you can be sure there won't be any fielders. There have been other great hitters in the past, besides the besides the ones where stories we'll find in this book. Today there are players like Carly Strumsky, Robert Roberto Clemente, Frank Robinson. Undoubtedly, their names will be found in the books about great hitters that will be written in, this, in the future. The 11 colorful players included here must be linked to every list of the great hitters of the major leagues. Yeah, let's say... Uh, that's a good way to start this. So, where I'm at is I'm on Stan Mutual. And. stand the man. Mutual. Sports fans feel sorry for an aging athlete. They can. They can see that his performance on the diamond isn't as good as it once was. He's no longer in und- indispensable in his team. to his team, and it is only a question of time before playing career will be over. But a star who has played for many years has at least enjoyed considerable fame and has collected memories that will remain with him for the rest of his life. It is much more difficult for a young player to have his career come to an abrupt end before he is even 20 years old. That was the prospect faced by a young man named Stanley Frank Musial in 1940. He was only, 10 years, only 19 years old, yet his dream of a major league career already seemed to be shattered. He had become just another pitcher with a sore arm, whose future had vanished almost before it began. Musial had been an outstanding schoolboy athlete in his hometown of Denona, Pennsylvania, one of the best high school basketball players in his part of the state. He was best known as a left-handed pitcher. In one game, he struck out 13 hitters in six innings. Major League scouts began to follow him around. One of them, a scout for the St. Louis Cardinals, offered Stan a of contract. I'm going to go back on Denora, Pennsylvania. It might sound familiar because I uh, have Ken Griffey Sr. and Ken Griffey Jr. That's where they that's where they're from, and uh, so that place has had a lot of uh, that place has a lot of value in baseball, that's for sure. This was exactly what the 17-year-old Stan wanted, a chance at a major league career. But his father, Lukasz usual, had come to the United States as as a poor boy from Poland. He knew the value of an education and he wanted Stan to have one. He told his son he could not sign a contract with the Cardinals. Stan was heartbroken he pleaded with his father to change his mind mr mizuno thought about the problem for some time he realized that he had come to the united states to get away from people who were telling him what he could and could not do what should he st- what should he stand why should he stand in the way uh, of of what his son wanted to do it was one of the most exciting days Stan would ever know began when his father told him that he could become a professional baseball player. The Cardinals sent young usual as the to the minor leagues to get more experience. The boy was still wild, as most inexperienced left-handers are, but he showed great promise. He began to dream of pitching in St. Louis one day. Stan was a good good hitter, too. When he was not pitching, his managers let him play the outfield. Then, one day, a 1940 disaster struck. Stan was playing the outfield for the Daytona Beach in Florida State League. He raced in to try to make a running catch and diving for the ball. Rolled over on his left shoulder. He made the catch, but at the same time, he felt sharp pain in his shoulder. The next day, he could hardly throw a ball. Slowly, the awful truth began to dawn on young Stanley Frank Musial at the age of 19. He had a dead arm. His career as a pitcher was over. Stan could not think about going back to Denora and starting his education again. He had a wife and a child to support. Luckily, he found a friend just when he needed one most. The manager of the minor league team for which Stan had been playing was Dickie Kerr. Kerr had been a big league pitcher for many years before. He did not give up hope for Stan's career. He pitched for the White Sox on the uh, 1990 scandal team. White Sox out. Don't worry about looking for a job right now, Kerr told me, Joel. Why don't you and your family move in with Mrs. Kerr and me? That will save you a lot of worrying. Since Stan it already showed that he was a good hitter, Kerr was going to try to make an outfielder out of him. So Musial, like Ruth, Gehrig, and Williams, left the pitcher's mound to try to, make a, try to make good as a hitter. For Stan, the change was difficult at first. His arm was still weak, and an outfielder needs a strong arm, but Kerr worked patiently with him, and the strength slowly returned to his left arm. Stan finished the seat. Season is an outfielder, batting 311. The next spring, mutual reported, with some of the other good young minor league players, owned by the Cardinals, to their tra- training camp in Florida. Branch Rickey, who ran the Cardinals, looked over each of the young players carefully. One youngster caused him to take a second look. He was a left-handed hitter. his left-handed batter who stood at the plate in curious crouch. His feet were close together, his knees were bent, and his bat was cocked straight up and down behind his left ear. Strangest of all was his habit appearing just over his right shoulder at the pitcher. Ricky looked up the young man's name and in the background in the team's files. Why, this is the boy listed as a pitcher, he said. He's not a pitcher, they hit her. Some of the baseball men who saw Mitchell in this strange stance at the plate were not quite so sure. They had never seen anything like it before. As a big league pitcher said later, Usual looks like a kid peeking around a corner to see if the cops are coming. But Ricky, a shrewd baseball man, and sees something in Stan, Stan's court stance. No batter's correction of form is determined by the position he gets into before the ball is pitched. Ricky said when the ball is the pitcher's hand, hand, that is the time you take a picture of the the batsman to determine the correctness of of his form. When the ball is pitched, Dan takes his arm, his true position, he is no longer in a crouch, and his bat is held back to so steady a coin wouldn't fall off the end of it. Then he takes the proper stride and the level swing. His, bat, his batting form is ideal. Ricky was right. This determined young man who had supposedly been finished as a ball player only the season before would move in the major leagues with a dramatic speed. The Cardinals sent him to Springfield for the beginning of the 41 season. During his short stay in Springfield, Stan batted 329 and led the league in home runs. The Cardinals quickly promoted him to their top farm team in Rochester. There he kept right on, right on hammering the ball, batting 326. Everybody all who watched Stan in the minors raved about his skill with a bat in his hands, so the Cardinals brought him to St. Louis for the last two weeks of the season. Stan played his first big league game against the Boston Braves. The Braves pitcher was a veteran named Jim Tobin, whose knuckle balls were very difficult for young players to hit. The first time Mijos swung at one of those knucklers, he popped it up, but the next time at bat, Stan was ready for the pitch. His timing was perfect. And he drove the ball against the right field wall for a double. Newnings later, he got another hit. Casey Stengel, who managed the Braves in those days, was impressed by the number of good young players the Cardinals were bringing to the major leagues. But Musial stood out, even among the other talented players. Stingle shook his head in wonderment. Those Cardinals got another good one, he said in a, to a friend. Stan played 12 games for the Cardinals. At the, at the end of the 41 season, I'm bad at 426. He had established himself as the, youngest, as the outstanding young player in the National League. As Stingle had said, Cardinals got another good one. Stan became the difference between victory and defeat for the Cardinals. In 1942, he batted three-fifteen to lead them to the first of three consecutive pennants. In the World Series, he proved that Dickie Kerr's presence and converting him to, as an outfielder in the minor leagues had, been, had not been wasted. Stan made a couple of sensational catches too. both rallies by the, by the Yankees and win the world championship for the Cardinals. In 1943, Stan won the first of his seven batting championships with a .357 average. He batted .347 in 1944 as he led the Cardinals to another world championship. 1945, Stan served in the United States Armed Forces. The Cardinals, to no one's surprise, did not win the pennant that year. Stan returned to his greatest triumphs after World War II. It was as if he had never been away. Three hundred sixty five batting average of the league in 1946. And the Cardinals won the pennant and the World Series. Stan was voted the most valuable player in the National League. Despite his success and his fame, Stan remained the most likable of ballplayers. He did not demand the special privileges which Ted Williams and other stars had wanted. He required one of the, he required to be one of the boys. He sat in the back of the bus with the rookies on the way to the ballpark. He did not try to su- try to squeeze. In extra batting practice at the expense of some of the unknown players, and he was never too busy to talk to a fan or to a newspaper. I want to say something. Uh, I think it was thirty years ago. It's been a while, anyways. It's probably like middle nineties. I ordered a book from, it's called like Stan Usual Incorporated, and it's uh, Stan the Man Incorporated. But what it was, was you know, it was a book by Bob broke, it was a uh, team, uh, the team writer for St. Louis Gold Dispatch, one of the papers down there. But I called, I got it in the mail and I really liked it, so I called to get another one. And I called about, I think I called about 9, 9 o'clock or something like that the guy picked it up and he said this is stan i said what i said are you stan mutual he says yeah why well nobody's here so i have to answer the phone that's what they're talking about right in here i mean could you imagine that the guy hits 365 in one major league season and had all this stuff that has all these stats and crazy numbers and it's just one of the he owns a uh one of the best left-handed hitters ever has 3,630 hits, and he's answering his own phone? That blew me away. And he was so nice. So nice. So, yeah, they're right. They're right about that. They're totally right. There's there's no BS in what they're saying right now in here. And that's what I've read before, too. Do you have any enemies here, Terry? The Cardinals... <laughs> Radio and television announcer once asked Stan, I hope not, usually answered. I try to treat people the way I want to be treated. Stan did not forget his old friends. As soon as he began earning a large salary, he bought a home for Tiki Kerr, the minor league manager, who had once been so good to him. Being the sort of man he was, mutual did not want the news of this good deed to get in the papers. But he told the whole story of his generosity. Stan, of course, was very embarrassed and pretended that it was not such a great thing after all. Perhaps one of Stan's teammates said at Lee, at, at best, When my son grows up, the player said, I can tell him I played with Stan Musial. It was a thrill and an honor and a pleasure. National League pitchers, of course, did not get a great deal of pleasure on a pitching to Stan. They were the only people in the world he abused, and he was very—he's very hard on them, indeed. A pitcher could have co- could not count on getting Stan out even when he was injured. 1948, while Stan was playing against the Braves. His wrists were so sore and swollen that he could not snap his swing. The pain in my wrist was so bad that I made up my mind I wasn't going to waste any swing, Stan said. I swung the ball I swung at the ball only five times all day. I made five hits. Mutual was not not supposed to be a home run hitter, but nineteen forty eight hit thirty nine homers. I never once took a deliberate aim to at defenses. So I asked myself if you can hit thirty nine homers without trying for even one, how many could you hit if you are trying to hit home runs? So the next season I began trying to hit for home runs every time up. By the middle of the season, I hit only a dozen homers, and my average was barely over 300. Not only had I stopped hitting home runs, I'd stopped hitting singles. So that's when I made up my mind to just go up there and meet the ball like I'd always done before. Stan was Stan was tough wherever he played. But he was expectedly great in New York. In those days, the National League had two teams in New York City. New York Giants, Brooklyn Dodgers. Stan used to tear them apart. One day, the Willard Mellon, the sports cartoonist, drew a cartoon showing a Giant and a Dodger taking Mutual to the railroad station. They were rushing him along for the train, carrying the bags and patting him on the back. Hurry up, Stan, one of them was saying. We couldn't, we couldn't, we wouldn't want you to miss your train. Have a nice trip, the other one said, and don't hurry back. Stan hit five home runs in one day against the Giants. 2 in one game of a doubleheader and three in the other. Brooklyn fans Hated to see him come to come to bat against the Dodgers when there were runners on base. He was sure to drive them home. One day, as Stan came to bat with runners on base, a Brooklyn fan put his hand in his in his hands and moaned, "Oh, oh! Here comes that man again!" after that the fans and writers began calling usual stan the man stan holds more records than any other player in the history of the national league he hit six home runs in the all-star games one of them he put a dramatic end to the in the 1955 all-star game in the 12th inning of all visuals records he is probably the Proudest to the final hit total, the final hit total of 3,630 base hits, a record for the National League and second only to 4,191 hits collected by Ty Cobb in the American League. Obviously, that's changed because of Pete Rose, but pretty awesome marks. But when he was once asked about what his greatest throw in baseball had been. Stan said with his usual humility, every time I put on a Cardinal uniform. Mitchell took off the t- uniform for the last time at the end of the 1963 season. Now, No one who saw it ever was will forget Stan's last game. The fans, his teammates, and his friends gave him one of the one of the most heartwarming celebrations in the history of baseball. They showered with gifts. Announced that a huge that a huge statue of Stan would be erected in St. Louis. Gosh, Stan said. They should wait till I'm dead first. <laughs> then he went went out and played for the last his last game banging Jim Maloney of the Reds for two hits. After the game, one of the reporters asked Stan if he had wanted to hit a home run that day. I was always a singles hitter, Stan said. This was the way to end it. Everyone in baseball felt something had gone out of the game when he retired. The only thing I have against baseball, said Al Kaline of the Detroit Tigers, is not getting the opportunity to watch Stan Musial in more than a few games, Stan is a true symbol of what baseball would like all players to be. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a good story right there. I you know it's fun it's fun to read old books because. You know, I'm pretty sure I read this one before, but you know I just to go to the library in my you know in in high school and in the schools and I think I read about every sport book there was but now that I know a little bit more uh a little bit more behind the story it's it makes it more fun you know like this frank dram guy that you know i I understand the uh these guys just did not appear in print, since they had certain qualifications to get them there. And you know, it's, it's fun to go and read about the. Uh, it's fun to read on the back of the books too, you know what I just read about the, uh, the first part of it. You know, uh, reading a book to me is. Reading a book to me is a lot. It's a lot better for me than reading it off the computer. I don't. I don't. I don't read it, and I don't read it, a, I read it a different way, and that's the thing, you know, and that's the thing, I think that kids are being, kids are being, uh, treated, or uh, kids are being taken out of, you know, they don't, they don't have the effort, they don't have what, what, they don't have that enjoyment of sitting down on a Saturday, and, and reading a book when there's nothing going on, I don't know, it's like, you know, Going out to the park and sitting on a park bench and reading a book, you know, it's, you just don't you don't have that with computers now. You know, everybody wants to just go look at their phone. They'll go to because like you get people that go out to eat. You get three people that go out to eat, and two of them are just looking at their phone. They're not even conversing with you. You know, there's they're not conversing at all, and that's a shame. It's an absolute shame. So I just encourage people read books. Read books. Read books. Because it's also a good way to concentrate and tunnel your and tunnel your uh concentration. Instead of like having all these pop up ads and all that stuff. Pop up in front of you and you lose your focus. I do all the time. So anyways, if nobody else has told you I love you today, I do. And I say that with the power of love.